This is the Baymont Podcast with Marnie Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we give you, dear listeners, a summary of the prophets and the writings as we conclude session two of our podcast. Yeah, this is uh, it's not a huge podcast, but um, I always like to give an intro and an outro to every session. So what I want to do today, give a little roadmap of what I hope to accomplish. I love to review because I think we should have a uh, a meta-narrative understanding of how the narrative arc of God's story is working. So now we're done with the Hebrew scriptures. We're done with what we would call Tanakh. And uh, I want to be able to review that, see how the narrative arc of Tanakh works and appreciate that. I want to talk uh, uh, a little bit about um, what's coming and kind of give some instructions on how to do what's next because we don't want to we don't want to miss. We have a lot of listeners that got lost after session one. They loved session one. They just kept going back, and they're still listening to session one. I have people that I just talked to somebody the other day said I'm on my 15th time oh. through session one. Wow. I'm like, A, my podcast is not that good. B, there's session two. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, maybe they're waiting for us to complete session two. Maybe. And, and then they can binge it. And hey, session one some of my favorite material. I mean, especially Genesis. What a cool thing to... It really is, yeah. I love that material. I think everybody does. Session two is a little hard. Session three, getting into Jesus. Ooh, it's going to be good again. It's going to be good again. I like that. It's going to be one of my favorites. One and three, some the of prophets, my favorite sessions. The prophets were hard for uh, the Israelites as they yep. um, as they went astray from the That's path right. of God and, and suffered through exile. Are, That's right. Those our listeners are going astray from the path of Bema. Well, yeah. I don't necessarily <laughs> want to equate our... Our ministry as the path of God, but that's right. No, nope. you know the analogy. Just, the analogy is there. Absolutely, path of Bema. And hey, if we're if you're listening to our voice, you made it. So well done. The good, to the choir. The good news about the prophets is those podcasts tended to be quite a bit shorter. So sure, uh, it you know if you wanna if you wanna go through and and see and really there's so much repetition. It's like it's true when it, when you boil it down, as we'll get to here in a moment. I think you know there's. There's warning, and then there's woe, and then there's hope. Yep. And, you know, it's pretty, the theme is strong in the prophets. That's right. That's right. But so we're getting get, ahead of ourselves. We are. And uh, you got a presentation today. If you click down in the show notes there, you got something to help us get our review on. So I'm going to start leading us through that. Um, so again, that we do this to make sure we have an understanding of the narrative arc. I want to understand how Tanakh is working. And uh, ultimately, I, I would love if my students and listeners had a good enough grasp that they could articulate. If you can't talk in two minutes about how the narrative of the Old Testament works, not just like, well, there's prophets, and then there's there's history, and then there's the books of Moses, but to understand how the narrative actually, where the story starts, and how it, how the stage is set, and then what the, what the crux of the narrative, like to have that kind of understanding is so critical to appreciate each book for where it falls within the narrative. So um, God sets the stage in the book of Genesis. He begins with a preface, chapters 1 through 11. This is all session one stuff. Genesis through Deuteronomy is all session one, Bema podcast, session one, Torah. Um, but God starts in the preface of Genesis, uh, chapters 1 through 11. And he basically makes this assertion that creation is good. Uh, boy, I'm reading the, I'm just part of the way through uh, Tattoos on the Heart by Greg Boyle. Whew. Man, you want some good Genesis 1 material. Man. Pick up that book and read it. We can throw that in the show notes. I'll throw it in the show notes. Oh, man, so good. I haven't finished it yet. By the time this podcast is played, we'll have finished it. But um, yeah, If it's conspicuously missing from the show notes, you'll know it didn't turn out very well. <laughs> 
New York Times bestseller. Everybody loves it. So I, I doubt that I'm going to be disappointed. But uh, man, good Genesis 1 stuff. God is crazy about his creation. God loves it. And uh, he made a good creation. He thinks it's good. And we need to trust that. We need to trust that that's how God feels about his creation. Because if we do, we're able to lay our life down because we have everything that we need. If we don't believe that God feels that way, we're going to act out of fear and self-interest and self-preservation. And it's a wreck. And that's what we see in the preface. But then we meet somebody right about the time we're going to lose hope. We meet Avraham, the family of God, Avraham, Yitzhak, Jacob, Yosef. We meet this family of God and they are screwed up. They are dysfunctional as all get out. But they lean into trust. Sometimes it even takes them a generation, decades to figure it out. But they're going to lean back into the story of God, back into the narrative of God, and trust that God's love actually changes everything. And this is how God sets the stage with these key components in teaching us how to see the world through his eyes. And then he starts the narrative. We call the narrative of Tale of Two Kingdoms, uh, Empire versus Shalom. Uh, Brent, talk to me about the difference between empire and shalom. So empire is the idea that I am the most important. I need what I need, and I'll push down whoever is around me to get it, to make sure my my desires are satisfied. And it doesn't matter what that means for anyone else. Whereas shalom is a, a posture of self-sacrifice. Uh, I'll give up whatever I have to make sure those around me have what they need. And that's the thing that puts the world back together, so to speak. And so that's good. that's going to be what God's story is all about, from Exodus to the book of Revelation, we're going to find. It doesn't really change. It's just always this battle, this tension between the way, the worldview, the paradigm of empire, and the worldview and paradigm of shalom. And that starts in the book of Exodus, where God rescues a partner. He's looking for a partner, and this partner is under the boot of empire. And so he rescues them from Egypt in the story of the plagues. He takes them to Mount Sinai, and there's a huge wedding uh, the whole rest of the book of Exodus is going to be about building a tabernacle, which is their honeymoon suite for the wedding. It's uh, If you look at it from a literary perspective, it's a retelling of Genesis 1 through 3 and the beginning of the story. It's like a little mobile a little mobile reminder of the prefaces goes everywhere with them. And, uh, and, but from a narrative standpoint, it's where the priests work because God told them at the wedding, if you'll say yes to me, if you say I do, you are going to be for me a kingdom of priests. We're going to, we're going to be in this together. We're going to partner together. And we're going to put the world back together. But they don't really know what priests are. And so God says, uh, well, I gave you the tabernacle. That's where the priests are going to work. So you can actually watch the priests. But I'm also going to tell you about the priests. And that's going to be the book of Leviticus. And the book of Leviticus starts with atonement because you have to know that you're right with God before you can talk about anything else. It's going to talk about what priests are. And in the midst of that conversation about what priests are, it's going to talk about who we are and how we're supposed to live. If we're Jews, we're going to eat kosher. We're going to, um, we're going to farm our fields a particular kind of way. And we're going to wear a particular kind of clothes. And we're going to do things differently because that's what a priest does. And God's going to teach people how to party. He's going to teach them how to celebrate. We talked about Purim a couple of podcasts ago. Um, not one of the parties he talks about in Leviticus, but the same idea. He's going to teach them how important the party is. He's going to teach them that if you party correctly, you're going to notice the people that need more party in their life. You're going to talk. You're going to look at the oppressed, and you're going to see them. And then after learning about this priesthood, God says you need to you need to you need to more than just learn it in your head. You actually have to learn it in your heart. And so we got to go out into the desert, and we got to have a honeymoon. We got to have this long desert honeymoon, and we're going to learn all these things by actually doing them, experiencing them in the desert. 
Uh, and then, and then God, at the end of their desert time, before they walk into the promised land, there's a book of Deuteronomy where God says, before you go anywhere, make sure that you remember everything that we've been through. Make sure you remember your story. Make sure you remember how we set the stage and the family that you're a part of. Make sure that you remember your call to priesthood. Make sure you remember all the things you learned in the desert. Just remember. And if you do remember where you came from, you're going to remember that you were slaves. You're going to remember that you were aliens. You're going to remember that you were orphans. You're going to remember that you were widows. And if you remember that, you're going to notice aliens, orphans, and widows. You're always going to have aliens, orphans, and widows in this broken world. They're always going to be around you. And I'm here to put the world back together. I need you to see alien, orphan, widow. I need you to see those people. And so with that being said, we moved into session two, and and God took this partner, and he said, okay, now it's time. You've learned about this partnership. You've said yes. And he takes his people in the book of Joshua and he puts them at the crossroads of the earth. He doesn't want them over in the corner. He doesn't want them just to be in a holy huddle. He's not trying to get them just to hang in there until they can evacuate to some other place called heaven someday. He wants them to engage the world around them. And so he puts them in the crossroads of the earth where everybody is going to interact with them. And then from there, uh, we go into the book of Judges. And we find that once you get to the promised land, it's not all, it's not easy. In fact, it's incredibly difficult. It's really, really, really difficult because we don't, um, we don't naturally want to trust in God. We don't think that God is for us. We are naturally very fearful creatures. And so we read a book about this cycle of sin and violence and redemptive violence and deliverance and crying out to God, forsaking God. There's this endless cycle. But we said it's not just about our sin. It's also about God's patience. And so God... Uh, we learn about a redemption cycle is what we called it. Um, and it's not all hopeless because we're also given the book of Ruth. We kind of zoom in on the book of Ruth. Uh, it's kind of outside the the big narrative. It's kind of a micro narrative within the meta narrative. And we zoom in and we read this love story about a Moabitess who happens to be an alien, an orphan, and a, and a widow. And she's with Naomi, who in a lot of ways is an alien, an orphan, and a widow. And she comes back, and the whole story is about these people that are righteous, pagans who are righteous, God's people who are righteous, a community that is trying to do the righteous thing. And because of this, uh, the story propels itself forward. Now, if you go to your next slide, you see where the story goes after this. And Brent, how about you walk us through what this, uh, what we see on this slide here. So at this point in the story, Israel has decided that they want to have a king uh, like the, all the other nations around them. And so we, we get into this period where we see Saul and David and Solomon and the other kings. And uh, we have two different perspectives that are telling us the same story. So we have uh, the books of Samuel and the books of Kings, uh, which comprise the story from Israel's perspective, the, the nation of Israel. And that's going to be more of an agenda-driven headlines where we're seeing what's happening in real time. And, and it has this tendency to be uh, focused on idolatry and immorality. And then we have the books of Chronicles that are told from the perspective of the nation of Judah. And that's more of a documentary perspective. It's uh, written later. It comes at the very end of Tanakh. The Jewish scriptures puts it at the very end. And it's looking back and it says, well, actually, the uh, that period of history was, was more of a, the lust for empire was the problem. And not so much the immorality that's, that was there. But that wasn't, that wasn't the heart of the issue. That's right. Absolutely. And so then we've kind of filled in the the content on our next slide. 
that period of history covers those kings that you were talking about, each from those unique perspectives. And you'll see the agendas there that Brent on that slide that Brent talked about. Immorality and idolatry in the source A and empire and injustice in source B. It all covers the same period of history. It talks about Saul, who happened to be a donkey herder from Benjamin, which is a statement in and of itself about the kind of king that the people want versus the kind of king that God wants in David who was a shepherd from Judah, David was. And David had a son named Shlomo, or Solomon, we say. And he had this lust for empire, probably had all kinds of good intentions, probably trying to do the right thing, um, but used a little bit too much of uh, the imperial method to get that job done and brought the uh, story of God kind of back to where it began, like Solomon kind of became the new pharaoh. And uh, and then we see the kings there. Uh, The kings can't maintain the kingdom that Solomon built. Um, whether the, whether the kingdom of Solomon is good or bad, it cannot be maintained by those that come after him. And so there's a split. There's all kinds of political insecurity. And instead of looking to God in their insecurity, they keep trying to create their own political security. And it just causes the unraveling of God's people. And that's where that perspective of these two different um, tellings of the story comes from. After the kingdom is split, the northern... Uh, ten tribes, can, the kingdom of Israel, that's that's the perspective that we see in Samuel and Kings. And then that southern kingdom, uh, the other two tribes, is is where we get to the book of Chronicles. Absolutely. That when they look back on it centuries later, they're like, man, we kind of, we were right, but we were wrong. Like we were right. There was all kinds of immorality, but we really missed the big picture that we've learned now 400 years later. And uh, so that's what we see in Chronicles. And that into that mess, because it really is at that point in history just a mess, God starts sending what we called warning, woes, and hope in the prophets. And so that next table there shows you the the diagram of the prophets, and you can see um, all the prophets that we talked about there. Uh, through the pre-Assyrian period, we talked about uh, Amos, uh, image was the plumb line, Hosea, who's uh, whose life theater was his marriage to a prostitute named Gomer. Uh, Micah was a prophet to Judah, was all about God as the judge. First Isaiah used the image of a vineyard to communicate uh, his warning to Judah. We moved over to the Assyrian prophets because eventually Assyria shows up on their doorstep, conquers the northern kingdom of Israel. And uh, that's pretty miserable for the people of Israel. And so to them, Jonah and Nahum come. Jonah Jonah talks about the reasons why God doesn't ju- uh, punish your enemies. And Nahum insists that God will do something about injustice. And uh, those two prophets don't try to resolve the argument. They just represent it. They represent the tension. And then Judah gets two prophets, Zephaniah, whose call is to uh, shuva, to come back, to return, to repent. And second Isaiah um, whose theme is just woes, chapter upon chapter upon chapter upon chapter of woe. Every now and then some hope sprinkled in, but uh, just a bunch of woe because the time for repentance has passed. Your world is falling apart. And that's what happens because Assyria doesn't reign for very uh, that long in biblical history before the Babylonians show up and they lay waste to everybody. And into that mess, into that uh, struggle and strife comes voices like Jeremiah, who was our weeping prophet, um, somebody, maybe even Jeremiah himself, maybe not, wrote uh, Lamentations, this alphabetic, chiastic, acrostic, where in the middle of all kinds of lament, deep, grieving lament, uh, a little treasure of hope sitting in the center of that. And then Habakkuk uh, talks about his watchtower. He has a complaint against God. He demands an answer. God gives it to him. Uh, we talk about Ovadja, Obadiah, and um, 
and uh, writes this message to short little message to Edom, the people of Edom, and and Petra was the picture that we used to understand that. And then Joel uses the theme of a locust plague to communicate his message of um, he's, he's trying to explain the destruction and also offer a ray of hope. And that leads us into the exile because you're going to need hope if you're going to make it through the exile. And that's what Ezekiel and Daniel try to bring. Ezekiel uh, is all about strength. He tries to strengthen God's people, uh, strengthen their resolve to be able to live in exile well. Uh, Daniel assures them that in fact, justice will come. The son of man, I saw one like a son of man coming the book of life in his hand, uh, coming to make things right. Uh, we looked at the parable, kind of a big, huge parable, a uh, drama of Job, uh, spoke of him, not just as wisdom literature, but also as a prophet, a prophetic voice. And we talked about third Isaiah with servant, with the uh, discussion of a servant, the servant discourse and the suffering servant and, uh, all these messages, messages of, of, of warning and woe, and then of hope, because eventually the story does change. And we enter the period that we call the remnant Persia shows up. Persia lets God's people uh, go back home, and um, and uh, we have voices like, uh, we started with 4th Isaiah, and we wrapped up the voices of Isaiah and the remnant period. We had voices like uh, Ezra and Nehemiah that talked about, uh, well, they really were examples of leadership, two different kinds of leadership. Um, Pat, they're, they're both passionate about leadership, but Ezra did it in a more shepherding, pastoral method, and Nehemiah did it with a more prophetic, fiery, chutzpah-laden uh, method. Um, Haggai and Zechariah were two prophets that uh, kind of teamed up with their leadership to give the prophetic message to spur the people on. Haggai's message was to build. Uh, it was a short little message spanning six to nine months. And and uh, and Zechariah was this much longer, decades-long ministry where he kept giving the people apocalyptic visions of affirmation and hope um, that, in fact, they were going to make it. And then uh, Malachi uh, was the voice of uh, Q&A. He had this dialogue in his uh, prophetic utterances, this dialogue between God and his people. And uh, and then Esther, we finally closed off looking at Esther um, and the story of Purim and uh, and those. So that's where we've been. That's how this this narrative arc, the narrative arc really be, really ends with, of Tanakh, ends with that tension that we talked about in our very last podcast, which was the prophetic table. Tanakh, it starts with the partnership. God's looking for partners. It talks about the history of that partnership, which isn't mostly pretty, but it ends with this, and what are we going to do in light of God's mission as his partner? And there's all these different perspectives about what to do with Persia, what to do with Greece, what to do with Rome. And uh, that's going to be where we'll pick up with session three. Yeah, so I think we have, well, we probably have a couple of details to share about session three, but maybe this is a good time, Marty, if you want to kind of give an update on your ministry uh, over the course of session two. You've had quite a few changes in what you're doing with Impact and and what your um, what your schedule and what your duties look like. So yeah. maybe you can give us a, an update on, on what you're doing. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, things will be changing for me in the fall. I'm uh, going to be stepping away from some of our local discussion groups here on the Palouse. 
Um, I'm hoping that those groups continue under their own leadership, like all the other groups around the country. Um, but uh, I'm going to be stepping away from that and uh, trying to travel a lot more because my job needs me to do that. And in the course of traveling, I hope to meet so many more of you listeners. Uh, I'm already scheduled to go speak at some places um, like September. Uh, I'll be speaking at a, re- at a retreat for um, college students with Truman State. They have a, we have a group that listens to us at Truman State in Missouri. And, um, and I'm looking forward to spending some time with them. I'm looking to meeting a lot of you groups out there. Some of you I've never even met before. Some of you we don't even have on our map, and we need to get you on our map. So let us know that you're out there so we can get you on our map. I um, love the map. So yeah. if you want to be on it, I am, I am thrilled to uh, add a pin to your location. Super encouraging to Brent and I to see emails come in and to see where people are listening kind of all around the country and now even in Canada and who else, who knows where, because people are going to travel and uh, and uh, and listen other places and maybe even start groups in other places. Who knows what God will do with this stuff. But um, one of the things that I, I do uh, try to accomplish, and I just don't have the time to put into it like I used to in my early years of campus ministry, is that I've talked about it before, is that work of fundraising. Um, uh, before I did Baymaw Podcast, before I was president of Impact, before I had the long list of duties that I have today, I had a shorter list of duties, and one of those was fundraising. And I got to dedicate some pretty serious time to planning fundraising, traveling for fundraising, focusing on fundraising, and and I was able to raise the money God provided. He's always been good that way. He's still good today. But I'm finding it harder and harder and harder to create the time and space needed to fundraise. And so I'm trying to take the opportunities when I travel and when I speak and and here on the Bayma podcast every now and then, just drop a little line, um, just kind of as a as an ask, as a reminder of what I do. I don't ever want to charge for Bayma. Uh, that'll be a really sad day. I don't ever want to do that. And uh, I think the Talmud even tells me I shouldn't. I can't. I'm not really bound by the Talmud, but it says that the learning of Torah should should always be free. And I totally agree. The problem is, is I've got to figure out how to pay my bills and support my family and, and make a living because I'm a support-raised missionary. And uh, it, i got to figure out how to, how to bring that in. So if you're listening to the Baymont Podcast, if you're a listener and this podcast has meant something to you, and I know it's meant a ton to a lot of people. We get emails all the time talking about um, just how much people have enjoyed it and what it's meant to them. If you're, if you're listening and this podcast means a lot to you and you're in a place where you could become a monthly supporter uh, of our ministry, we could really use you. Um, can make a big difference. If you're somebody who has, uh, you work in the world of agriculture or some other seasonal field, and you could make some large annual gift, we we could use you. Like anybody that's able to give uh, something financially and be a part of our team that way, um, definitely a, a need for us. And so there's instructions on the website, baymodiscipleship.com. You can also go to Impact Campus Ministries. It's pretty easy to follow the prompts and uh, find the donate button. We make that pretty easy. <laughs> to find how to give money. We don't make it hard. Um, and, and you can find my name and, uh, and set up a recurring gift, uh, pretty easily online. If I, if I can see Brent making notes, I think he's going to put it in the show notes, maybe a link or different things like that. So lots of different ways you can find, um, you could, you could support Baymont ministry itself. Uh, the work that I do with college students, you could support, uh, our personal ministry expenses, and the things that we need to uh, to make a living and 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 do what we do uh, to do my job uh, by supporting um, 
uh, our, our staff account, Finding Marty Solomon in the drop-down menus. You could also just support the general fund of impact, just support the general work of campus ministry. It's one of the most underappreciated, nobody likes to give to the general fund. It's one of the hardest things that I, I do is try to raise money for the general fund. So it's another way that you can you can give. Just know that um, I'm always wrestling with how to um, balance my time and my priorities correctly. And I want to be able to keep doing things like the podcast. I want to be able to keep doing things like that. And that just means that uh, somehow I have to make sure that the money is coming in when, when we need it and how we need it. So if you'd like to help that way, it'd be a huge, huge um, assistance to me and my family and our organization. But yeah. Sounds fair to me. Yeah. So, so let's uh, close up what we're going to be doing here. Yeah. So gospels. Yeah. That's our next thing. Sounds exciting. I'm betting we're going to have some new theme music too. Like, if, we, Oh yes, we will. I, you know, I was pretty excited. Session two theme music changed. I can only imagine session three. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the Jesus music. Like it's gotta be pretty great. It's gotta be. It's got to be. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be we're gonna be working our way into the life of Jesus. Now, before we do that, we need to deal with the silent years. So we're going to be studying. We're going to be trying to set the stage. A lot of things changed. And let me tell you, a lot of things happened uh, before Jesus got here. In between the where the Tanakh ended and Jesus shows up, Judaism changes a ton. And learning what happened in the silent years. Tell me, Brent, was that a pretty big deal, learning about the silent year period? It's huge. It's crucial to understanding what Oof. Jesus is doing. Absolutely. It's a big, big, big deal. Uh, so really excited about that. But then we're going to get into the Gospels. We're going to talk about each individual Gospel and what the writers are trying to do. And then I think we're going to utilize Matthew for the most part. There'll be some exceptions. And we're going to use Matthew, and we're going to walk through the whole life of Jesus. And uh, we're going to try not to miss anything. We're just going to talk about every story, every parable, uh, because Jesus is pretty important. As Jesus followers, uh, we better know our Jesus. We better talk about our Jesus. And if we talk that much about Genesis, we need to talk at least that much about Jesus. And um, and so it's going to be some of my favorite favorite material uh, for there. So anyway, that's what we got coming up. I'm excited for session three. Some of my favorite stuff. Sounds good. And we kind of ease into it. We'll be posting every other week for the first uh, for the first few weeks, and then we'll be back to a weekly podcast after that. So yep. depending on when you're listening, it may not matter. You'll just go from episode to episode, and the, right. the schedule will, will not affect you. But uh, for those of you who are on the cutting edge of, of listening, uh, just know that's that's what's going to be happening. There you go. I love it. All right. Well, of course, you can get a hold of Marty on Twitter at Marty Solomon. You can find me at EIBCB. We'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, whatever. You can find any details you need to know about the show at baymontdiscipleship.com. Again, I'll have all those links in the show notes as far as uh, learning more about Marty's ministry, Impact Campus Ministries. You can see uh, what they're doing around the nation. And uh, thanks for joining us on this Baymont Podcast Session 2 Capstone. We'll talk to you again soon in Session 3.